The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome. We're uh, we're set to go. John Scholes here and uh, Alex Lucifero, employment lawyer with San Fury to Market LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. Alex is a good man. been doing this for years radio show as well uh we invite you to call the station now and reach out and talk to us how about that you have questions about your job employment maybe you're an employer we will get to what you need to know about performance improvement plans how about that that's on the way but first alex we always uh, kick things off pal with the uh, the case of the day or the week that was something's happening on your side or commentary about some recent things what do you think pal Hey, Johnny. Thanks very much. Happy Monday mm-hmm. evening to you. Great to be live on the air as usual on Mondays talking employment law, severance, workplace rights. We're obviously here to take your calls, take any and all questions related to the workplace. And we're obviously live on the air until seven this evening. And uh, you know, feel free to give us a call and let's solve that workplace problem that you're dealing with. Another busy start to the week, John. Uh, listen, we deal with, you know, severance uh, matters uh, on a daily basis but you know it's not just people that are being let go from their jobs that contact us people call us or they email us asking all sorts of workplace situations wanting to know if what their employer is doing is legal what they can do about it what options they have and that's obviously great john we encourage people to reach out to us contact us seek out that help and that information and ultimately the advice that these individuals need from an experienced professional um, you know, the more information and knowledge you have as an employee, the more protected, the more prepared you're going to be to deal with any kind of workplace uh, issue. So it's extremely important if you're having any kind of issues at work, really big or small, uh, or certainly uh, if you've been let go from your job or if you know anyone who has lost their job, that's an extremely serious matter. You have to resolve a situation like that. Uh, you have to get what you are actually owed. Uh, as severance. Chances are, if you are an employee who's been let go, you haven't been made a good, a reasonable severance offer. So for all of you listening this evening, if you're dealing with this kind of situation at work or really any kind of situation where you're struggling and you're stressed and you're concerned as to whether or not your employer is treating you fairly, do not be shy. Give us a call. You have options. We have solutions. Let's talk and figure it out. And as you mentioned, John, to get us all started off and uh, warmed up this evening let's talk about a matter that came across my desk today we call it the case of the day as you very well said and actually john it's a matter that came across everyone's desk over this weekend uh, and that uh, it, the news coming out of city hall in toronto of course the story a story of uh, mayor john tory and the relationship that he had with the staffer i actually i kid you not john uh, this news story sparked one of my employer clients today uh, to reach out to me and ask whether or not his company should have a policy in place about workplace uh, uh, situations. And so I wanted to tackle uh, the subject and, and make a couple of kind of brief initial points here, because, again, we're probably going to be fielding questions from both employees and employers on this matter. And there is, to a degree, a lot of uh, misunderstanding around workplace relationships. I mean, the first comment I'll make in that respect, John, is that workplace relationships aren't necessarily illegal. There is no law in either Ontario or in Canada that makes a romantic relationship in the workplace illegal. Um, If it is certainly, of course, if it's between two consulting consenting adults, uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Where we start to get into trouble 
John, is when there's a romantic relationship between a, a management level employee and a subordinate, whether that's a supervisor and his or her employee or a manager and his or her employee, or in this case, John, uh, a mayor and one of his staffers. Mm -hmm. We could probably think of no worse example of this huge inequality of power in a workplace, in an employment relationship. And so clearly in a situation like this, I mean, you know, morality aside, of course, when you're dealing with a situation where, you know, really the most senior, the most executive person in a workplace is in a relationship with a, with a subordinate, that can very obviously and actually very easily lead to conflicts of interest arising in the workplace that might be bad for the business in and of itself. In this case, of course, the city in, of, in and of itself. It also leads to a lot of potential issues with respect to the actual workplace environment. John, in the sense that, you know, this individual, this staffer, the person that's in the subordinate position, you know, you can question whether or not consent in a situation like that is ever fully legitimate or 100 uh, percent in a situation where, you know, a superior may hold someone's job over their head for the sake of the relationship that creates, you know, potential of a poison, the toxic work environment of harassment in the workplace. If an employee, for example, in a situation like that, again, the subordinate employee, if they feel like they have no choice but to resign their employment, John, that's what we call a constructive dismissal, of course. It's a forced resignation. And in a situation like that, of course, compensation uh, would be owing. And so despite the fact that relationships in the workplace aren't necessarily illegal, again, right. there's no specific legislation that deals with it. My advice to all employers out there is that you should have a workplace policy setting out the rules around workplace romantic relationships. You don't have to ban them outright. It's certainly possible that two employees uh, of, let's say, equal stature and level within an employer, and, and particu particularly if it's a larger employer where these two employees aren't necessarily interacting on a daily basis, there's every chance, John, that that is a perfectly acceptable workplace situation. Right. What you want to avoid are the conflicts of interest. What you want to avoid is the subordinate employee feeling as though, you know, the other person in that relationship is holding their job over their heads and potentially creating very, very dangerous and toxic uh, and abusive situations within a workplace that would also impact ultimately. Uh, the company. So for all the employers out there that are that are listening, make sure, no matter how big or small you are, that you have a policy about romantic relationships in the workplace. Again, I wouldn't necessarily uh, suggest that you bar them outright, but have mm -hmm. some rules uh, of the game. For employees dealing with this situation, if you're dealing with a romantic workplace or a romantic relationship in the workplace, uh, again, know that it's not necessarily illegal, but also know, particularly if you're a non-unionized employee, John, also know that a relationship like that can cost you your job. An employer can always let an employee go without cause, in which case, of course, that employee would still be owed severance. Right, right. Uh, but you can be let go if you're having a relationship in the workplace. Uh, and because your employer might be cautious about that situation, again, it may cost you your job. Of course, you'd be owed severance. Uh, but oftentimes, your employment moving forward, your career moving fo forward is worth more than any severance you may be owed. And so you have to tread very carefully when you're dealing with that kind of situation. Thoroughly done, sir. And with that, we'll take a short break. Employment Law Show, stand by.
You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Right here, John Scholes along with Alex Luciferro. He is our employment lawyer, Sam Firu, to Mark and LLP. Reach out anytime. Talk to Alex about your matter. one 821 5900 Help at Employment Lawyer. .ca as well, and uh, your phone calls over the next little while. Bring them on. We're going to get into our discussion about what you need to know about performance improvement plans. For those of us who have never been on one, or, well, I'm familiar because of the show and what you guys do, Alex, but what is, number one, what is a performance improvement plan? Well, I mean, uh, you know, the definition is in the name, essentially, John, in the sense that when an employee is be- is sat down for a meeting at work and they're told that they're being put on a a performance improvement plan, what your employer is ultimately looking for you to do is to improve your performance very obviously. And they're going to be laying out a framework by which uh, they want you to do that. And so what oftentimes a performance improvement plan will have in it is a couple of basic items. Number one, the concerns that the employer has with respect to the particular employee's uh, work. So what is it that they're seeing that they take issue with that might be, you know, in a customer service role, that might be the volume of calls or people that they're dealing with. It might be uh, the nature of uh, the complaints that they're uh, receiving. It could be any, you know, any uh, form of metrics depending on course on, on the workplace. And then the second part of the plan would be what the employee needs to do, and this is you know, quite key for a performance improvement plan, John, it's going to be instructions on what the employee should be doing to improve their performance in that respect. And ultimately, it should be, it should provide for certain metrics that they have to meet, again, depending on the particular workplace, what metrics they have to meet in order to meet the employer's objectives. What they're doing here, John, when an employer provides a performance improvement plan, I mean, they're doing two things, uh, really. Number one, they're setting out, they're giving the employee notice of the concerns that they have, and they're giving them the opportunity to meet, you know, to address those concerns and ultimately correct whatever behaviors or performances need to be corrected. And the second thing they're doing, John, is by giving certain metrics that they need to retrieve or a certain plan that they need to implement, at least what they should be doing is giving these employees the tools that they need in order to meet those goals. That is a key part of this uh, um, of this undertaking of these performance improvement plans. Keep in mind the employer does actually need to be seen to be helping the employee improve their performance. They sure. cannot just sit back and say you have to do X, Y, and Z, and you know we're not helping you with it. You've got to figure it out on your own. That's not good enough, uh, John. And so performance improvement plan, again, needs to address all of those things. If it falls short of any one of those, uh, right, identifying the concerns and then providing some guidance as to how to meet uh, their expectations, the employer's expectations, it's going to fall short of what it actually should be doing. So what if I'm the employee and I'm, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, hang on here, son, I disagree with this performance improvement plan. Do I speak up and say something? Do I sit silent? How do I approach that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a question we get very often, course, uh, John, yeah. and I'll even paint you a picture here because it's one we see quite often. And it's, it's actually a kind of a theme that we've I've seen year after year after year. It's always the same story. It's the theme of a new manager coming in and taking over a team. 
Uh, and you know, an employee who's been with an employer for quite some time, they're usually long service employees, and they've been performing well, their performance uh, appraisals have been positive, they've received bonuses over the course of many years, but out of nowhere, John, a new manager comes in, and guess what? Just a few months later, these employees that have been seemingly doing a bang-up job for many years mm. right, are put on an, a performance improvement plan. And of course, in those situations, those employees will come to us as employment lawyers and say, hey, I think I'm going to be kicked out the door here. My, you know, my manager already doesn't like me. I've been put on a performance improvement plan. You know, I'm not getting uh, you know, warm vibes from this new manager. And in that situation, John, what we'll advise employees and what employees should be doing, if they disagree with the performance improvement plan, don't stay silent. Don't yeah. just accept it. Don't sign off on it uh, kind of blindly. You need to put in writing in a very professional and respectful way. You know, there's no need to get uh, antagonistic. There's no, no need to get feisty about any of this. In a measured, respectful way, you put in writing in an email to your employer, to your direct manager, why you disagree with the performance improvement plan. Mm -hmm. And effectively, you're standing up for yourself, John. Again, not in any kind of brash way, but you're simply saying, listen, I don't agree. This is what I've done well for the company. This is maybe what I need to work on, but I don't think it rises to the level of requiring a performance improvement plan like this. You can't necessarily stop the employer from putting you on a performance improvement uh, plan, John. You're really just putting your position down for the record in case it becomes relevant in the future because you can be looking at back on that performance improvement plan months from now, maybe even you know a year plus from now, Right. And if you just stayed silent in the face of it, that doesn't necessarily look great. You want on the record in writing to your employer the fact that you disagree with it uh, and, and that, you know, despite that, you're going to do the best that you can to keep your performance up moving forward. That's how you deal with a situation like that. Say so got the employee has been on the performance improvement plan. They haven't reached whatever threshold was laid out by the employer. Does that mean now that employer can pull the trigger for cause and let them go without severance pay just for that reason? Unlikely, uh, uh, John, only because, uh, I mean, listen, no, and, you know, we, we say this time in and time out, not because uh, not because we want to, because it's the truth. It is extremely difficult to let an employee go without severance, uh, the, John. I mean, regardless of the circumstances, uh, you know, letting an employee go for cause, or for cause is what we mean when we say letting an employee go without notice or without severance, that kind of situation is reserved for the most serious of employment offenses. And again, we can, we can think of the most serious offenses in the workplace, John, and it's not just some concerns with performance. That doesn't rise uh, to, you know, to the necessary level of being let go without severance pay. Uh, in the vast majority of cases, even when there's been a performance improvement plan implemented, and even in a situation, uh, John, where an employee is deemed to have failed that performance improvement plan, listen, and as I said at the top of the show when we were talking about workplace and the relationships, yeah. there's nothing stopping an employer, John, from letting that employee go, right? At the end of the day, if whether rightly or wrongly, your employer feels as though you're not holding up your end of the bargain performance-wise, your employer can let you go, but that would be what's called a without cause termination, in which case there's no question the employee would be owed severance, even if there were concerns about that employee's uh, performance. And guess what, John? Employees don't get any less severance because there were concerns about their performance. Severance isn't uh, based upon 
an employee's good behavior, right, and how good they were during the course of their employment. Severance is based on an employee's age, position, and years of service at the time of termination, regardless of the reason for that employee's uh, termination, even if there were concerns about performance. It's all going to depend on those three factors. And if we're talking about a long-service employee uh, here, John, who's up there in age, and maybe they were in a senior you know, sales role or in a technical position, and certainly if they were in a management level position, you know, you're looking at potentially 24 months of severance, two years of severance for those long service employees. Again, even if there were concerns uh, about their performance, I really can't think of any situations, John, to be quite frank, where failing a performance improvement plan would lead to a four cause termination, meaning being let go without severance. I I don't think it's likely at all that those employees are going to be owed severance. Let's grab a call from uh, from Eddie. Hey, Eddie, how are you? Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Good. What's on your mind, brother? Uh, I've been working for a company for 34 years, and oh. then I was temporarily laid off. Uh, they said uh, they might bring might bring me back. They might not. But the week before that, three younger employees were offered positions with another company because they were slow. Same company, but just a different a different location and in a different type of job. Got you. So I'm just wondering, like, should I, is there grounds for, like, I don't want to wait 35 weeks to get uh, a severance package, basically. Very few employees uh, do, Eddie, and and, uh, and I think that's fair, right? 30, 35 weeks is, you know, what is that, eight months? I mean, that's a, a terribly long time. long time to be just yeah. waiting at home, uh, you know, yeah. waiting as to whether you're going to be called back to work or not. Eddie, are you a unionized employee? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. Just a couple of questions here. Is this the first time you've been laid off in your 30, 34 years of employment or are layoffs a kind of routine routine thing? Uh, no, this is the first time. Years ago, they did like a work share when the company was slow, It was, but that wasn't really a layoff. You were still working, obviously, just at a lesser, still working, a lesser capacity. Just reduced yeah. hours. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, chances are, Eddie, and, and so, the, I mean, the second question I was going to ask, we, we probably want to get into this off air, but just very quickly, listen, if you've been, nev- if you haven't been laid off, uh, before in your employment, the only way in which your employer can legally force you to accept this layoff is if there's a term in your employment contract, Eddie, that allows them to do so. Now it wouldn't have been the contract that you signed 34 years ago with the company, obviously, it would have to be a contract that was signed in the past, I don't know, five years or so maybe, that would, again, give the company the right to do this to you. Because if you've never been laid off before and there's nothing in any kind of employment contract that allows your employer to lay you off, guess what, Eddie? You don't have to accept the layoff. You can treat it as a termination, which is probably the better thing to do as a 34-year employee. Treat it as a termination. Get your severance entitlements uh, and get moving on with your life. Do you know if you have a contract that, that might have some temporary layoff language in it, Eddie? Uh, the thing is, they did get us to sign every year. They got us to sign like an employment, uh, like a behavior. Some like, sort of agreement? Uh, an agreement, like how, like how to behave and all that stuff. And I know we signed that for the last couple of years. No, I don't know if there was a passage in there that stipulated anything about layoffs which I doubt, but I could call yeah, it. Yeah, I doubt it. If it was more of a kind of a, uh, of a, a code of conduct type of document, then I'd be surprised. I mean, here's what we're going to do, Eddie. 
if you haven't already, give us a call at the office. John will give you the number. Let's have a chat about your matter. We can review all the documentation that's relevant. We can really get into the, to the details of your situation. You're going to have some options here, most likely. Uh, Eddie, your options are going to be either accept the layoff or don't. You obviously know my opinion on the matter, and it sounds like you feel the same way. It doesn't make sense to accept the layoff in a situation like yours. As a 34-year employee, Eddie, your severance entitlements could be as much as 24 months. So that's you know that's a significant amount of money and likely the better the better option here. Again, give us a call. Let's have a chat uh, confidentially. Let's figure out what your best option is and get you headed in the right direction. Eddie, appreciate your time tonight, pal. Here's that uh, number to reach out to Alex afterwards. Use it uh, for sure. 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. And help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. Just talking, you know, one more point. We were, uh, we were going through the evening about performance improvement plans. At what point should somebody looking at that performance improvement plan reach out to you and say, uh, I might have an issue here? Yeah, I'd say there, there are a couple of situations, uh, uh, John. So I think I think you as an employee, if you're being if you're being given a performance improvement plan, I, I, you know, I think you have to have a sense of you know, uh, as you very well say all the time, whether your spidey senses are tingling, right? I mean, if if it's a situation as I was previously describing, where you're a long service employee, you've done a really good job your entire tenure there, and there's this new manager coming in and, and giving you a hard time and perhaps putting you on a plan. I think that I, I think that raises some serious concerns, and at that point, you probably do want to speak with an employment lawyer as soon uh, as soon as possible. Also, if you feel like the performance improvement plan is grossly unfair and it's just an outright misrepresentation uh, of the quality of of your work, and you feel like you're being uh, either singled out purposely or there's an ulterior motive to the performance improvement plan, that's another massive red flag, and you should be speaking with an employment lawyer in a situation. Uh, uh, like that, you know, again, if, if, if you are concerned as an employee and you feel like it is grossly unfair, that's the time to have a chat with an employment lawyer. If you're being offered a performance improvement plan, John, and you actually agree with it and, and you feel like there are areas where you should be improving and working on, well, listen, maybe at that point in time, and that might be the exceptional case, but at that point in time, you probably just want to give it your best, give it your all, make a good push to improve your performance. And maybe you don't need to speak to an employment lawyer in a situation yeah. like that. Again, those are probably uh, you know few and far between as situations go. Oftentimes, it's likely worth having that chat with an employment lawyer. It's pretty easy. Uh, just give us a call at the office. More than happy uh, to have a chat with you about a situation like that. I'll give you 30 seconds to answer this one, pal, before we go. Wendy says, Alex, my father just lost his job after 18 years. He was offered nine months severance. Is he close? Is that all he gets? Oh, geez. 18 years of service, John. Nine months severance for 18 years of service. I don't know his age. I don't know his position. But right off the bat, nine months is not going to be anywhere good enough, uh, John. If you're an 18-year employee, your severance has to be in the teens, if not yep. if not higher. You're probably looking in that range of about a month per year of service. Uh, you know, 18 years is quite a long time with the same employer, John. So your severance entitlements are going to be significant. Wendy, appreciate that. Alex, good job, pal. We'll talk to you very shortly, and we're back here tomorrow night, 6.30 as well, for the Tuesday edition of the Employment Law Show. In the meantime, reaching out to Alex and his team, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca, and always that website first, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.